Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Are you excited to be here this morning? All right. So, who can remind me the series, the title of the series we are on? We are on the parables. Is someone excited? Today is our last day for the parables. How many of us have learned something this past couple weeks? How many of us are excited to gain something even on today, the last day? Okay. Okay. All right. So we are going to go on a journey this morning, or this afternoon rather. Please open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. we're going to be reading from verse 30. Mark chapter 4 from verse 30. And the word of God says, and then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground is smaller than the seeds on earth. For when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds birds of the air may nest under its shade. Amen. If you are looking for a title for today's message, title it The Process of Faith. The process of faith. Repeat after me. The process of faith. So we see Jesus here speaking to the disciples. And if we go up further, um, Jesus talking about the parable of the sower before then. Then he talks about light under a basket. Then Jesus Christ talks about the parable of the growing seed. Um, the kingdom of God is as a man who scatters seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed shall sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. And then Jesus Christ talks about, again, the parable of the mustard seed. So in everything I've said, what, when we think of the mustard seed, I want us to, please media team, if you're ready to play the first video. I want us to watch the how a must a seed grows because I need you to keep that in mind the entire sermon.
Are we seeing how it grows? Okay. Thank you so much, media team. Now we've watched this. Let us start. What is the first process for a mustard seed to grow? What? Planted. So now let's practicalize that. What does it mean to be planted? When we are going through scripture and we're trying to understand what it means to be planted, I'll be really, by grace of God, I'll just speak through all I have here. When we un- we're talking about the mustard seed, remember Jesus Christ is speaking here and he's talking about what he can liken the kingdom of God to. We need to understand that in the kingdom of God, things don't just happen. God is not a magician. Things don't just spring out. Everything has a process. So when Jesus is saying, what shall we liken the kingdom of God to? Jesus Christ is trying to use human processes to describe the kingdom of God. So when we say be planted, or when we say the mustard seed, the first process, the first stage is to be planted. To be planted means to trust God. A lot of us say we are Christians, but we don't trust him. Trust. Some people say trust to the senior brother of belief. You see, when, if I tell Tronia sitting here right now, I will give you a dollar. Okay. The first thing she'll do is size me up. Can he really give me a dollar? When God, when you become a believer and God promises you things, the first thing we do is we size God up. But unfortunately, the parameters a lot of Christians use to size God up is wrong. Because the only way you can size God up is by using his word. A lot of us don't know the word. So when God promises us things, we use the world to size God up. And when we use the world to size God up, we say God can't do it. So the first thing she does is sizes me up. Can he give me a dollar? Okay, sure. Can I believe? It might take a day. It might take two days. The day I give her the dollar, guess what I've done? I've created a what? An experience for Tronia. Are Are you still with me? Come the next week, I said, Tronia, I'll give you $2. Guess what will happen? She's still, he gave me one. Now he's going up to two. Can he really do it? Eh, let's just see. He did the first one, no problem. She believes. She still believes. And I give her $2 after a week. Guess what? After 10 consecutive times of me doing that, if I tell Tronia, Tronia, I'll give you a million dollars, will she believe or will she trust me? So trust is built from experience. Belief is built from an encounter. When God says, walk with me, he told Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. What God was trying to do with Abraham was build an experience. Upon which when Abraham gets to a certain stage of that experience, when he tells him, give me Isaac, Abraham will not believe but he will trust that he who was able to give me this one son, even at a hundred years, can give me another. Trust. So when you want to be planted, you must trust God. 
So if you're still trying to believe God, I'm sorry, you're still in the baby stages of your Christian walk. The next thing to be planted is to have confidence. You see, when you have trust, then you have confidence in the person you serve. Even when the enemy comes and gives you a false picture of who you serve and the person you're praying and worshiping, because you trust, you have confidence that the God you serve will never fail you. At that level, you are planted. The next thing to be planted, the next requirement for being planted is not walking with the wicked. You cannot say you trust God. You cannot say you have confidence in God and you are surrounded by wicked people. Now when I say wicked people, I don't mean you shouldn't go to work. Sorry. You got to pay your bills. When I say wicked people, I mean who are the people you entertain in your house? Do they have the same level of trust and confidence you have in God? When I say the next thing you do not need is walking with sinners. You cannot say you're a believer, you go to church every day. But the only people, who, the only people that surround you are people that every Friday night and Saturday night, what they're asking you is, where are we going to go turn up? Now, when I say that, I don't say turning up is a bad thing. But my question is, where are you turning up? You can turn up in your house for all I care. But when, where you're turning up, all they do is drink, smoke. Lustful desires. Is that really where God dwells? So if you're still in that stage, you're still walking up to being planted. Not joining people to mock. When people are mocking other people, are you amongst them? If you are amongst them, then you also are a mocker. And if you are one of them, then that means you're not ready to be planted. God cannot stand people who mock. So, being planted means to meditate on the word of God day and night. The moment the word of God becomes food to you that you cannot stay without, you are planted. The moment a day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks goes by and a hunger for the word of God, there's no passion or desire burning in you, you are not planted. Because if you are planted, you will desire his word day and night. So, after the seed is planted, what is the next stage? Water, you said? One person to shout it down so loud. Fruits? The next stage in the seeds, the mustard seed life, is to absorb. That's why I was waiting for you to shout it louder again. The next stage is what? Water. Now, how do we relate to water? 
relate it to purification, sanctification, and holiness. Until you can come to the place where you absorb the water of the word of God, you have not been planted. You cannot be planted and struggle with righteousness. You cannot be planted and struggle with living a holy life. You cannot be planted and struggle with sanctification. Amen? Ephesians chapter, 20, chapter 5 verse 26. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26. This is Paul speaking here and he's what basically he's saying. He's talking about marriage and everything. Most of us already know the scriptures by heart because we're all getting ready to get married. Amen. Verse 26, he then says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church. See, this is Paul using marriage to reference our relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul is saying Jesus here washes us by the water of the word to present us to himself. So in the next stage of a seed, it's to absorb water. How much of Jesus Christ's virtue have you absorbed? If you're still struggling with absorbing the water, the life of God, then when are you going to grow? You see, it is one thing to be planted, it's another thing to open yourself to absorb. Not every seed that is planted grows. I remember my elementary school days. We had a, I had a class, agricultural science, and part of the class is the practicals of the class is they would take us to the back of the school, and we farm. I mean, I was in boarding school, so they would do anything to keep you entertained. And every day we we'll were running out there to go check on our corn seed, see how it grows. I remember then when you're planting, they'll tell you put three to five seedlings in the ground because not everything you put in the ground will come back up. So what they're telling you to do while you're planting, increase your chances of growth by putting in more than one seed. So that is why I'm telling you not every believer who is planted will grow. Many are called, few are chosen. The next stage in the growth of a seed is called cracking. The more you absorb the virtue of Christ, eventually your shell will no longer be enough to hold the virtue of Christ. There's a level you absorb the word. You keep absorbing the word. You keep absorbing the word. And you see your mind begin to explode into possibilities that you never thought possible. Now you're starting to grow. Cracking. Cracking is painful. A lot of us want to be planted. A lot of us want to soak in the virtue of Christ. But very few of us can go through the process of cracking. Because you see, cracking is very uncomfortable. When you crack, your old self dies. 
Very few of us want to die. Jesus Christ said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. So yes, you've been planted. Yes, you've absorbed the virtue of Christ. But my question is this. Are you absorbing enough of the virtue of Christ to make yourself uncomfortable? Or else, are you absorbing just enough? Just enough. So if they say Christians, you step out. Those that can speak in tongues, you raise your hands. You have enough, just enough to manifest. When one or two people come to you for words of wisdom and advice, you can give just enough to set them on the right path. Oh, I don't drink, I don't smoke. I'm a believer. Just enough. I don't party. I don't fornicate. I don't commit adultery. Just enough. But not enough to make you uncomfortable. If you really want to grow and make impact, you must be able to absorb enough of Christ to break your old self. If you want to know how Jesus Christ practicalized that for us, ask him when he was on the cross. For him to rise as the resurrected king, he first had to die as the son of man. His skin was broken. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities, chastised. His outer shell was broken. The next stage, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, if you're looking for an exact scripture, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, the Bible says, Abraham came out from his father's house. For some of us, you have to step out from what is normal for you. That is cracking. You have to be ready to take some steps that are very inconveniencing. For Abraham, his entire life, he's been born in his father's house. Now he's 75 years old. I can relate with that. My father is 75 years old. There are some things we as his children, we have raised, we've made a resolution in our mind. There's no need trying to see him change. It's okay. That's daddy. So we love him for who he is. Even your parents, some of them might not be up to 75, but I promise you that there are some things you're like, you know what? Mommy is mommy, daddy is daddy. We'll take it as it is. So imagine at such age, at 75, God is telling him, I want you to leave everything you know and go into a place you don't know. That is cracking. So what is the next stage after the seed cracks? What is the next thing that happens? Shout it louder, please. Thank you. We all watched the video. I don't know why we're now, we've forgotten what we watched. The next thing that happens is the root. Now, when we were watching the roots of the mustard seed, what happened first? There was one branch that went straight down. And then branches of the roots started to form. So now I want to ask you a question. If you were to pull out that mustard seed, even as little as it was, will that be easy? Why? His roots went deep. 
a lot of us as believers, we are planted, we absorb enough of the virtue of Christ, we crack, but the first thing we want to do is to show everybody who we are. Forgetting that when you shoot up first, without shooting down first, certain things of life will replant you. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 3 to 9. We see Jesus Christ there talking about a man who had many seeds and his, some fell on the roadside. Some fell on sandy areas. Some fell by thorny sides. If you read that scripture very well, the ones that fell on sand, the Bible says their roots didn't go really deep, but they shot up. But because they shot up and did not have enough roots, when the sun and the weather came, it dried up. So a lot of us, we are believers. We know the word of God. Oh yes, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I speak in tongues. I manifest. I prophesy. I do everything. But you have no depth. And somebody comes and tells you your God is a liar. You're like, hold on. For those of you at UTA who might have experienced it, they come and tell you God has a, well, God has a wife. It's called God the mother. You're like, whoa. And then they open scriptures for you and use scriptures to explain it to you. We're like, really? It's in the scripture, so it might be true. Therein, right there, the content of your work has been corrupted. Like a computer system, a virus has been introduced into your understanding. Because you decided to grow up first without growing down. Jesus, we knowing Jesus today and celebrating him as the king of kings was because he died first. And the Bible tells us when Paul was explaining the resurrection of Christ, he said he went down and into Hades. So he didn't just die. He went down into Hades and he collected the keys of life and death. There has to be a depth to your Christianity. And then the next stage after that is what? What's the last stage? To rise. When your roots go deep and you start to rise, now you can withstand anything. At this point, nothing can shake you. Abraham got to that point in Genesis, from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 22. At 22, he was at that point, 10 chapters later. God says, sacrifice your son. He's like, okay. I mean, what else do you want me to do? I'm already 100 years old. But keep in mind, Abraham had an experience with God. So he didn't just have faith or believe God. He trusted God enough. That if God told him he would be the father of many nations, God can do it even without Isaac. It comes to a level of where you, when you shoot up, at this level you are no longer trying to understand God by human intellect. You see, for Abraham to be a father of many nations with human intellect means you need to have a son. But when he got to chapter 22, he, come, he came to an understanding that if God is to make me father of many nations, he does not need Isaac. So he was willing to sacrifice him. 
be careful of ex- of sharing your experiences with God with people who are not who don't have the depth you have. You will replant yourself. A lot of us are so excited. But in our excitement, we displace ourselves in eternity. After Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's where he dug deep. In the garden is where Jesus dug deep. How do you dig deep? Is by praying. As you pray, the likeness of God is being translated into you. The Bible says every time Jesus prayed, his likeness was changed. Upon the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus went up there to pray. But when the disciples woke up, they saw his face had changed. And they saw Moses and Elijah standing next to him. When you pray, you have encounters with God. Your likeness is transformed. The real you, people will see it when you pray. If you decide not to pray, you will never know the real you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus used the mustard seed to show the process of the kingdom of God. So now I'm going to call up some people. And I'll start with Anu. Anu, Akinsaya, please come. She's going to help me read out a scripture in Mark eleven twenty two. Please give her a mic. Mark eleven twenty two, and she's going to read it in a different language that is not English, and she'll tell us the not the literal translation, but the raw, the exact translation of what she's reading out. Go ahead, Anu. Um, I'm going to be reading in Yoruba, and it says, "Jesus down, oh, oh, we from and Nibagbo Nino Olorun," and this roughly translates to, "And Jesus answered, you should have faith in God." Read in the second translation, the next version, rather. Yeah. The next Yoruba version. Which means what? It says, and Jesus answered, you should have faith to God. So the first Yoruba translation says, have faith in God. The second Yoruba translation says, have faith to God. All right. The next person I'm going to call up. Thank you so much. Put our hands together for her. The next person I'm going to call up is Wati. Please, Wati. Mark eleven twenty-two. I'll be reading in Hausa. Yesu ya amsa yache gu ku gaskata da Allah. What does that loosely translate to? And that means. Uh, Jesus answered and said, "Believe in God." Believe in what? In God. Thank you so much. 
Um, put your hands together for her. The next person I would like to call up is Ray. He doesn't have his Bible. Which um, language specifically? Zulu? Okay. Okay, Lizzie, Elizabeth, I would like Lizzie to come up first and read hers. Put your hands together for Lizzie. So, I know gave us what language? And what did it translate to? Have faith in God and have faith to God. Then what he came out and what gave us local language? What did it translate to? All right, Lizzie will be giving us French. Please go I'll be giving ahead. you guys in French, and it says, Jésus leur dit, ayez la foi de Dieu. What does that translate to loosely, not the exact translation? Her translation says, have the faith of what? So we have in God, we have to God, we have of God. In God, to God, of God. Okay? All right. While, um, you ready? Okay. Mark 11, please tell us the language. Um, I'll be reading in Zulu. Zulu, thank you so much. Mark eleven twenty-two. Okay, so it reads, Uchesu wa pendula watigulo, kolwani ngongulungu. What does that loosely translate? Not the exact translation. Um, so it roughly translates to, and Jesus responded to them, believe in, uh, believe in God. Thank you so much. Believe in God. Put your hands together for him. So, I'm going to give us Igbo language. Amen. Okay. Mark eleven twenty two in Igbo translates. Nezi asimunu onyobula inkigasipua. No 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 no. Jesus weza siha wenu wechineke. In Igbo loosely translates. Jesus answered and said to them, "Have the faith of God." Okay, so we have in God, we have what? To God, we have what? Of God. So now you're like, Emeka, why are we doing all of this? Calm down, take it easy. Now I'm going to read for us the Greek. Mark eleven twenty-two. When you read scriptures, try to understand what Jesus was trying to say. 
Don't just read the parables for the sake of reading the parables to have fun. Oh, it's a story. Jesus was trying to convey a message. And in understanding that message will make us understand the true meaning of this parable. Are we together? So Jesus here, speaking in Mark eleven twenty two. I'm just going to focus on the last. Have faith. Are you here? It says, Echo pistis theos. Echo pistis theos. Translating meaning, have faith God. Have faith God. Theo, for those who are who understand theology or heard the word theology. Theology is the study of God, understanding God. Theo is God in Greek. Jesus speaking here says, have faith, God. So now, bringing everything together, what is Emeka trying to say? In the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus was trying to say, show us what works, how the kingdom of God works. In the kingdom of God, you have to have faith of God. There is a God kind of faith. In the God kind of faith, there's something we call process. When God speaks, it does not necessarily have to happen immediately. But what makes God God is because when he says a thing, it will be established irrespective of the time. As long as the conditions for it being established are met, his word will be fulfilled. That is why this Bible says, rather than his word not to be fulfilled, let heaven and earth do what? Pass away. Because it's the faith of God. That is how he operates. When he said, let there be light, irrespective of whatever was going on, light had to manifest. Light had to be. Because that is the faith of God. So when a seed is planted, Jesus Christ is trying to, he's not really speaking about the seed. He's speaking about the process. A lot of us want to Ah, people are coming and resting under me. What have you done for people to come and sit down and listen to you? What qualifications do you have? What bruises, what scars like Paul or like Jesus do you have? You want to manifest and live a righteous life. You want to manifest so that everybody will know that you're a child of God. What experience is backing you. The entire reason for the parables was for each and every one of us to go back home and examine yourself. Where do you stand as far as sanctification is concerned? Where do you stand as far as righteousness is concerned? Where do you stand as far as holiness is concerned? Because without these things, your process is fake. Where do you stand on prayers? Without prayer, your walk is fake. So at some point, we have to come to the realization and tell ourselves the truth. I'm a fake Christian and I need to be real. Stop goofing around yourself and playing pity party with yourselves. God cannot be mocked. When he shows up on the last day, he's not looking for Christians. He's looking for believers. He's looking for those who are planted. 
It's not about the signs and the wonders. It's about the nature. When God comes, when Jesus comes, and yes, you might say this is not in scripture, but I'm saying it as I'm hearing it. When Jesus comes, he's not looking for you. When God comes on the day of judgment, he's not looking for you. He's looking for the nature of his son in you. When he sees the blood in Exodus, speaking about the last plague, the Bible says, when the angel of death, that is an example of what will happen on judgment day. When the angel of death comes and he sees the blood, not you. When the angel of death sees the blood, when the judgment of your iniquity comes and sees the blood, it will pass over. But when the angel of death, when judgment comes and the sin you carry is what that, that judgment sees, then you will fall into the lake of fire. Don't, don't try to paint it. I understand grace. All those things are beautiful. But let's call the truth the truth. You cannot see God except you are holy. And the holiness you carry is the righteousness of Christ. Not through your works, but through his sacrifice. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us rise on our feet. So now I want you to examine yourself. Dig deep. Evaluate. We've been talking on this for six weeks. Evaluate. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? Bow your heads and pray. We spoke about the growing seed and the lost sheep. We spoke about the ten virgins. Preparation. We spoke about the laborers working in the vineyard. We spoke about the unforgiving servant. We spoke about the good Samaritan. And now we are ending with the seed, the mustard seed. Everything has been for you to check yourself. Jesus Christ says, take the log out of your eye before you try to remove the speck in another person's eye. Do not try going around telling that person is not holy, that person ain't righteous. That's not your business. Focus on your life. If the person makes heaven, it's on them. But if you make heaven, it's on you. So even at this hour, if you've been listening to me and you're like, I, Lord, I really want to be planted. I really want to have an experience with you. But you know you've been faking it. But now you don't want to fake it anymore. You actually want to live a true life of a believer. Wherever you are, in the room, in the sanctuary, online, just raise your hands where you are. Place your hands on your chest. And repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for showing me what it means to be planted.
what it means to be watered, what it means to grow. Father, I accept my sinful ways. And Lord, according to your word, in Psalm 51, it says, in iniquity I was conceived. But Lord, I come to you today and I welcome you into my life. Father, I let go all my sinful ways, all my self-righteousness, I let it go and I drop it at your feet. Welcome, Lord Jesus. Transform me from the inside out. Let my roots go deep so that when the people will see me, they will see your glory. Thank you, precious Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.